wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That is your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Holy Spirit will give you insight as the word of God comes forth right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Before, last time we were talking about total faith. Remember that and we brought that to an end. But this discussion of faith hasn't ended. I have many other things to say. Yeah, this series was getting too long, so let's put an interruption. So the one I want to talk about today now, we'll begin today to talk about the pursuit and the use of faith. Very important, the pursuit and the use of faith. There are two things I want to accomplish by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my expectation. Number one is to let us understand how really we acquire faith, how faith becomes a part of us. Now, last time we were talking about it, to, it would be surprising that I actually didn't dig into that in details until towards the end, and we have to bring that series to a close. Now, one of the most important things I have learned in recent times, and I'm trying to get people to understand, is that faith is not a method. Faith is not a set of methods that we use to get something. Faith is literally a spiritually tangible quantity, which can increase in size or volume, in your heart, or can deplete. Faith is not a method. The things that people do as a result of their faith is, like I said, a result of the presence of faith in their heart. If faith is in their heart, it will get its result. If faith is in their heart, it will do what it's supposed to do. If faith is present in the hearts of people, all right, there are things that come out of it spontaneously and naturally. There are things that will happen. For example, Paul said, we having the same spirit of faith. What happens? We believe, therefore, we speak. So when you believe something, it affects how you talk. That the spirit of faith in you causes you to believe. And when you believe, you talk in a particular way. Are you getting my point? For example, if my wife is passing and you say to me that, um, um, oh, uh, do you know that woman? You know, I'm gonna, what's the first thing I will do? I won't say yes. I will look at you first. Are you getting my point? I won't just spontaneously say, yes, I do. The first thing I will do is to pause, look at who's asking. Next question is, why are you asking? The idea of yes doesn't pop out of my mouth. Why? I am so convinced. I'm surprised you didn't feel the conviction. So I'm beginning to wonder what is the matter with you. <laughs> what am I going to say? So you see, the conviction, the knowledge produces a particular reaction. It is not as if husbands react like this when people ask, is that your wife? No. It's just that I'm amazed that how come you're in Jerusalem and you do not know who has been marrying who? Are you getting my point? <laughs> no, those are the kind of things that, that, that's what faith is. So if it is present, it does its thing. And many of the things that don't happen are the result of the fact that faith is not present. You are getting my point. You know, one of the things I've learned in recent times, you know, in fact, a brother, something led to it, we were discussing on the phone, and we were chatting, actually. So, money matters came up in an area. 
So I told him, please, excuse me yet, first. He said, why? And I, was, I said, what I need to do is to increase my faith. I didn't say I need more money. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I said, my faith has not reached that level to handle this thing. So please, for now, let me go. Excuse me from this financial involvement. What's my reason? I said, I need to build more faith. I have realized that the problem is not money. The problem is faith. The other time, I gave an example. I said, listen, if you find yourself falling ill more frequently than before, it's not the virus, it's your faith. If you're a married man, you're a married woman, suddenly you and your husband, you're quarreling, you and your wife, you're quarreling more than you used to. It's your faith. These are signs and symptoms of a hidden disorder inside the heart. Many times people want to solve marital problems. They'll be giving methods. You know, you know I hate marriage books. That I wrote one is an amazement. Not because there's something wrong with talking about marriage. I mean, Peter talked about it. Paul talked about it. The Bible talks about marriage. Solomon talks about it. It is just that many of the things you read, they are senseless, spiritually speaking. Tell you how to make sure your wife doesn't get angry. Like I give as an illustration all the time, how not to forget her best day. I'm not saying she forget your wife's birthday. Actually, the best way to make sure you don't forget your wife's birthday is to forget it once. Her reaction will make sure you don't forget it again. <laughs> the Lord is good. I told her I forgot my wife's birthday once. And it was very interesting. You know what's interesting about it? We went to church and my wife was taking an announcement that day in church. And I was looking, why is he so well dressed? I don't know what I get the point. I said, why is this woman looking so nice like this? She was wearing a beautiful dress, you know, hair well set, makeup in order, everything, jewelry. Ah. I said, now, wow, see, babe, what did they have? I still did not get it. It was a lady, another lady in church that we had a small dealing, so I needed to write a check for her. So I said, what's today's date? She said, ah, Pastor V, why are you asking me about today's date? So I'm like, why won't I ask you to this date? I want to write you a check. I can't remember the date. He said, ah, ah, you don't know today's date. I'm like, this girl, tell me today's date. Is this not your wife's birthday? I said, oh, more, ah. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> don't worry, that was the first time. And the last time. Now, you make even Google remind you if you have to <laughs> set them for Google. Google will send you email the day before. Oh boy, you don't wake now tomorrow. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, what am I talking about? So many times, we address those symptoms, all right? Meanwhile, they are not the real issues. That's why I'm upset with many of those books. I've read them. I said, this is not what this thing is about. When spirituality is low, it manifests in all kinds of ways. And you want to tackle the manifestations rather than tackling the fact that spiritual substance has gone down. That's what I'm saying. If faith is present, it does its work. And many of the things we talk about in faith, all right, are the natural manifestations. They're not the methods by which we make sure faith is present. Let me say it in summary. Faith is a spiritually tangible substance. 
And I'm not taking that from the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. When it says faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's not where I took the word substance from. I'm just looking at the way the Bible talks about faith. He said it can be mixed. That means it's a substance. He said the word head did not profit them. Why? It was not mixed with faith in their hearts. So faith was supposed to be there when the word will arrive. And the two of them will mix and produce something. So it's something that can be mixed. <laughs> you are getting my point. He said, oh ye of little faith. That means he has quantities. Great is thy faith. So it can expand in volume. Those are the reasons why I came to the conclusion that faith is a spiritually tangible substance. Which means, therefore, we can get some more. Which means, therefore, we had it yesterday doesn't mean it's present today. Now, those are the realities about it. It means if it's small now, we can get more. Sometimes, God gives us what I call volatile faith. Um... Which word now? Inflammable faith. That is, it, it drops inside you, boom, it does something and it's gone. And that is called the gift of faith. Suddenly something, a strange confidence comes into your heart. And those are the things that God pours into the hearts of people when they have to do great things for him, even if they were not personally prepared for them. So you find Elijah will show up. You think Elijah was a big man. Now lie. What happened that God pitched, you know, turned the bucket and faith filled his heart. As soon as they finished killing all the prophets, when the brother relaxed, he was back to normal Elijah. And they got a message from <laughs> You know what happened. The man disappeared. <laughs> Jesus just said, Ah, oh boy, wait there. Let's see what the man ran away. What does that tell you? The faith he operated just now was not his own. Because if it was his own, he will have stood there and said, the same God that answered by fire is bigger than Jezebel. But by that time, faith don't dream. And that thing about faith, sometimes you use it. Even if it was not the volatile type he had, he consumed a huge volume of it. That's why Jesus would tell the disciples, come aside and rest for a while. You must always replenish. Faith finishes. That's what I, that's what I want to emphasize. It's a spiritually tangible quantity. You can deplete it. And I know it vaporizes also. So a man has faith today, even if he doesn't do anything, after a while, his level of faith in his heart goes down. And this is the bad side of it. He does not even realize it. He doesn't even realize it. And I want to teach Christians again. Of course, these are things we go over again and again. How to keep the level of faith high. When we're talking about total faith, I talk about the ambience of faith so that we are careful that we don't hang around an atmosphere where faith depletes, where people's faith, lack of faith around, all right, just sucks the little inside, inside your heart. We have to be careful. We have to be careful that we don't just lose it recklessly. But my emphasis in this series, the one we're beginning today, to be a short one, won't be very long. Hopefully two or three we should be done, or maximum four, I hope, all right? <laughs> Let's see how it goes, all right? I just want to discuss how do we fetch it? How do we keep the tap flowing? Because if it's inside the heart, all right, it works. I made this, I gave an example earlier. You start falling sick anyhow. You wake up in the morning, headache. Two days later, it's diarrhea. Four days later, you know, your eye is paining you. 
Then you start coughing. That what happened? I think it's a uh, kata. You know, my nose, my head, everything. Only you in two weeks. I used to be very healthy. It's not the virus. They say, I think it's stress. Stress depleted your faith. It's not the stress itself. Because when Peter sank, the Lord Jesus told him, it was not because of the waves. It was because of your own doubt. That is the spiritual state of the man's heart decides how environmental things affect him. I mean, I don't know whether you're getting my point. So, for all this case, Jesus said, it shouldn't affect your life if your faith is at the right level. Power is not constant. It shouldn't affect your life if your faith is at the right level. They haven't paid wages in a long time. It shouldn't affect your life if your faith is at the right level. That is the amount of, all right, um, now the amount of effect these things have on us Jesus says simply, when he was talking to Peter, is not the power of those things in themselves, is how much faith is inside our hearts. Are you getting my point? That's what I want to talk about. But I want to start today by talking about that use of faith. Remember, I talked about the what? The pursuit and the use. That use is where I'm going to start from. Because sometimes we, we get the point wrongly. What God is trying to do in our hearts by faith, because that is using faith, we get the purpose wrongly. Yesterday, my wife and I had a long talk. And when you are talking and your wife's face is like this and asking questions, just know what you are discussing is deep. <laughs> my wife said, explain again. And she will squeeze her face like this. I said, no, let me get you right. I said, ah, this one is hard. So today I must be very slow. If somebody has heard you for almost 20 years, he's getting confused. <laughs> Are you getting my point? All right. <laughs> now, you see, what, I'm going to start from that. Now, maybe we should start from here. Open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to read plenty. Even though I will try and be fast. Or because I'm going to read plenty, I will try and be fast. So that we can still, so that we can still save time. David Paulson said he likes to read a long portion of the Bible when he wants to teach. You know his reason? He said, so that no matter the nonsense he says afterwards, the people will have been blessed hearing the true word of God. <laughs> That's David Paulson's theory. So his only is that he will read a long portion, then when he's done, he can say anything he likes. Even if he's all wrong, you heard the word of God in the first person. The book of Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read almost the whole chapter. My Bible is the New American Standard, and I'm going to read quite a long one. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is what faith does. It assures you of things, and it gives you a conviction of things that you do not see. Now, just by the way, if you read my book, um, Great Faith Can Be Yours, I explain the difference between assurance of things hoped for. Hope is an expectation. All right, things that have not yet happened, but you're expecting them. And the conviction of things not seen, what that means is that things are in the realm of the spirit or that happened beforehand. It's by faith you accept those facts. Are you getting my point? All right. So that are two different things. What you are hoping for is what you are expecting. It's not what you are wishing for. For example, the, the returning of the Lord Jesus is an expectation. All right. It has nothing to do with your desire. You just know that he said he will come again. 
So faith tells you, indeed, he's going to return. And the conviction of things hoped uh, not seen. It means once he was crucified 2,000 years ago, you were not there. They gave you a report and you accepted it. That is faith, all right, operating in your heart. And it says that blessed are those who believe without sin. Now let's continue reading. In verse 3 it says, verse 2, For by it the men of old gained approval. For by faith, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now see how men used faith, which is the reason why I'm reading this. I want to, the reason why I'm reading this, please follow me, is to show how men used faith. I'm talking about the pursuit and the use of faith. I'm reading Hebrews chapter 11 for us to see how men used faith. All right? By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And it was not found because God took him. He said, for he obtained the witness that before he's been taken up, he was pleasing to God. Verse 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by, Noah, by God, now notice verse 7. How men use faith. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Notice what Abraham, um, Noah did with faith. What did he do with it? He obeyed God. He prepared an ark to save his family. And he condemned the world in doing that. As a result, he became a righteous man. In verse 8, the Bible tells us what Abraham did with faith. When he was called, Abraham obeyed by going out. Notice that. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, still in obedience, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, that they had the same experience, fellow heirs of the same promise. What does that tell you? The land they were in was not particularly comfortable. Abraham left a civilized society with his father, and he progressed on his own until he got to the promised land and began to live in tents. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. Imagine you have a nice house in Enugu here. And then God now said, move to rebuild Sambisa Forest. I, don't, I, hope, I hope you get my point. Yeah. After they cleared Boko Haram, the whole place is now a parched land. They say, I want people to go and rebuild the place and populate it with righteousness. When you first get there, you get some money. But of course, it won't cross your mind that the first thing you need is a lister generator and a big house. You first build a nice hut. So they will use thatched roof to make sure you are cool in the afternoon. But it's nothing compared to where you are coming from. By faith, you remain there, even though you could have come back home. I hope you are getting my point. That's what Abraham was doing. By faith, 
He left where he was comfortable to go and rebuild Sambisa Forest. He began to learn new skills. Because God said, this is what I wanted to do. And we are learning here that he did all of that by what? By faith. Faith is not the way by which you get comfort yourself, for yourself. That's where I'm going. Faith is a method by which, in quotes now, is a thing that helps you to obey God. Let's continue reading how people use faith. That's what I'm going to teach. Let's continue reading. So, back to 9. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise. He said, with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heads of the same promise. They had the same experiences. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Please notice the word again, promise. Therefore, there, there was born of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of the heavenly number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. He said, all these died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and aliens on the earth, for those who say such things, make it, make it clear that they are seeking a country. Now notice that again. They are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, which is a heavenly one. Notice where that desire is. By faith, they, are seeking, they were seeking a heavenly country, not an earthly country. Therefore, God, the Bible says, is not ashamed to be called their father, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, back to the functions. Verse 17 says, By faith, when he was tested, Abraham offered up what? Or who? Isaac. That was what he did. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people from the dead, and from which also he received him back as a type. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, regarding things to come. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Are you getting my point? And the conviction of things they are in the realm of the spirit. By faith, therefore, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Jacob, I'm going to strive be quick, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the Exodus. Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. That is, the parents were operating by faith when they hid Moses. What does that tell you? Let's continue reading. I will look at this. Because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. What does that tell you? They did not keep... When we said he was a beautiful child, have you ever seen a child that's not beautiful, really? All these children are the same. So when they say he was a beautiful child, 
What they were saying is not that, oh, they had a bouncing baby boy, say this one is too fine to die. No, all the babies were too fine to die. Being a beautiful child is simple. Before the boy was born, an angel visited them and told them of the destiny of the child. It was like the way John the Baptist was born. It was like the way Jesus was born. It was the same thing as when Samson was conceived and he was born. That's what it means when it says that they knew he was a beautiful child. They understood that this child had his particular purpose. The Bible says God has made everything beautiful in his season for his own time. What does that tell you? He said, I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful like thy works. That is, I was made for a purpose. When the Bible says things like he was a beautiful child, it means they were aware of the boy's destiny. That's what I was talking about. So when they went to save his life, it was an obedience to a word of an angel. The Bible has more details than we realize. Just to read it carefully. If you go and listen to our learning from Moses series, we discuss these things in details there. Now, see what faith did for these parents of Moses. It helped them to walk in the destiny of this child. It helped them to bring to pass the purpose of God for their lives. You see where I'm going. Verse 24, Moses himself. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Let's take a pause. What, what happened here? This boy was initially raised by his own natural mother. You know that story. So she passed to him, all right, the understanding of what the angel told him when he was conceived, before he was born. He knew he was a boy of purpose. The problem was that he did not know how to execute it, so he went and killed somebody. Are you getting my point? But when he, by the time he was leaving the place, the palace, all right, uh, the palace of Pharaoh, it was because he understood purpose. It wasn't because he was a gluten for punishment. It wasn't like the guy said, let me chop, let, I've, I've chopped, um, I have chopped life, let me chop suffering. That was not the issue. Is that he understood purpose. I was born for such a time as this. I was born to deliver these people. It was just that he missed the method and the timing of God. That was when things went wrong. Please, you see what I'm talking about, the use of faith. Let's continue reading. So you see that he left the palace of Pharaoh, considering the reproach of Christ, verse 26, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now, the word reward in the Bible, we must learn what it means for us believers. It's not you play lottery and you win a jackpot. That's not reward. <laughs> I hope you are getting what I'm saying. Did you understand that? Did you understand what I'm saying? Right, did you understand that? Thank you. I want to be sure I'm not here alone. Reward in the Bible does not mean you play lottery and you want a jackpot. That's human reward. Reward in the Bible for believers is this. You are laboring and you will see the fruit of your labor. That's reward. You say, what is that? What's the difference? I'll tell you the difference. There's a little boy. Assume he's not your son. But one way or the other, your paths crossed and you began to nurse him. It took a lot of effort on your part, but then one day, 
A boy that was supposed to die, now he's living. Are you getting my point? He was supposed to die, but now he's alive. Then one day, you see he graduated from secondary school. Then he went to university. Then he graduated from university. And you see a young, handsome man who cannot live on his own. Whether he personally gives you anything or not, you see the fruit of your labor, and you are what? Satisfied. That's what the Bible calls a reward. It is this worldly mentality that when you blow yourself up, you go to heaven. They will not give you an, a sea of alcohol you'll be drinking. And I'll give you 70 women to be following you up and down. Those are people. <laughs> Listen, when you have not yet repented of sin, that's when you call those things a reward. I don't know what I get my point. The very desire of our hearts as believers are different. When Jesus was rewarded for his labor, it's not that they now increase him back beyond what he was before. Nothing. What are you going to give somebody more than equality with God? So when he had joy set before him, I will tell you the truth. Now, that one I've understood it. I told you before, that's my best illustration. I don't watch black history films, American black history films. I don't watch it. Have I, I, I told you before? Yes, I don't watch it because it's painful. It hurts me. If I watch it too much, I'll shoot a white man. No, I won't even shoot white men. I'll shoot black people around me. Why? They were the ones that sold their brothers into slavery. The white man never entered the hinterland to go and bring the slaves. He waited on the coasts. That's how it was. I will shoot a white, I will shoot a black man. But then when the white man now began to maltreat, you must understand how they treated those slaves. They put them on ships like commodity. If you have not been there, go to the Elmina Castle and the Cape Coast Castle in Ghana, where they used to ship slaves from, and you take a tour of the place. And they'll show you a dungeon where they will keep human beings, men and women, for, listen to this, sometimes up to three months at a stretch. They won't come out once. They won't come out to use the bathroom. No light inside there. When we're inside that dungeon that day, as they are talking, they have a way of making it dramatic. They'll just switch off the lights. And it's a dungeon. The whole place comes out black. They said, this is how men endured for three months. They waited there for as long as it took the ship to arrive. And when the ships arrived, they laid them lying down next to each other on the many months voyage across the Atlantic. And many died. Maybe up to one third died during the voyage. All they just did was take the bodies and toss into the ocean. And they'll be back in a few months' time to carry another set of slaves. And when the slaves got to the U.S., they sold them the way you buy meat. Is this one big? Madam, I can't pay for this one. This one only two kg now. That's how they touch men and women. The painful one is that if a man is angry, they allow the slaves to have wives, but they could sell off the wife and the children anytime. If master is broke, he looks at a boy and says, this boy he will fetch me some money. He will take him away from his father and from his mother. It was systematically calculated to destroy their sense of dignity. They said to make the slaves submissive, they whipped the men in front of everybody else. So when you bring a father and beat him to submission while the children are watching, those boys will grow up with an inferiority complex. American blacks have not recovered till today. Go to South Africa. Not a joke. The whites did that thing. Generations of slavery. You see where I'm going? What am I going to say? 
The Lord looked and he displeased him. So he said, I will do something so that these generations will not be slaves anymore. He sent his only begotten son. And he died so that you will not be a slave. That is why, listen to me, never cross the ocean looking for money. You are going to America, it must never be because you are looking for economic prosperity. It's a sign of slavery. You have not been delivered. You see as we go on what they call call faith. By faith, we take a barren ground and make it fertile. Don't claim a visa by faith. You say, oh, this ground is barren. Watch me. That's what faith does. Faith, you say it's barren. You read your scriptures. What did Isaac do? You till the land and speak to the land. Listen, I'm a redeemed child of God. You will yield to me. I am not under a curse. You will yield to me. If I plant in you, I will repay a hundredfold. Not because I'm looking for what to eat, but because I want to show you I've been broken free from under the curse. That is what faith does. All this rubbish faith of claiming guru and claiming epa. I'm talking about reward. Reward for believers. That was, why, that was what Jesus was looking for. He saw this heritage of slavery. He said, I will put it to an end. That the man won't stand and they will set his first son while he's watching and he can't talk. Believe me, I fight personally. Anything that looks like slavery, I will fight it. I told you once I was in Dubai, I was, I was, catching, I was you know, exchanging my flights, so I was sitting somewhere. I don't know whether it was an Arab, I don't, I don't care it was, but he made the mistake of calling me like this. So I stood out looking at him. They said he's calling me, I said he's not calling me. You are not calling me. This is the reason why I didn't want to America. I'm putting a flight through your country, you will not call me like this. You will stretch your left hand and do like this. My own is not, it's not, it's not, it's not something personal. It's the reason why Nigerians, were, when they were queuing, I started residency on 5,000 a month in, in salary when a 14 inch television was 15,000. So you, I understood why Nigerians ran abroad. I told people, don't visit me after the second week of the month. I will have nothing to entertain you with. Because at the second week, I was flat broke. And this went on for years. But around America, I said, I will not. Why? I said, I will not kill on Oleke Christian from 2 a.m. I said, I won't do it. So I will go and kill. I said, I said, why? I said, because I have been redeemed. That, that was my only argument. Though. My only argument was, I have been redeemed. If you are going to give me a visa, there must be decency with it. This one, I won't take. Am I going to preach the gospel? Maybe for the sake of the gospel, we take some nonsense. But for sake of food, I am not Issachar. I will not bend my back to bear the burden and be- become a slave at first labor because of food. I won't do it. I didn't have money too. Don't think I had. My salary in a month was five. It went up to 6,000. Yet to buy a television, a 14-inch box of those days, it was 15,000 naira. Three complete months salary. If you ate from it, your TV is postponed. Then I applied for one visa. My reason was simple. I used to drive my cousin that time when I first got there. We moved around the whole area. I see people in Nigeria. I said, me, kill like this. I said, God, I'm not doing it. The first day I was going to go to an embassy, American embassy. God said, Banky, I will honor those things that you said. By that time, Americans have restructured their things. You book online and all of that. 
I was going to be at the back of a queue that there were no more than 15 people. But God said, no, I won't let you queue. Once it was night, they moved. When they said, okay, they opened the gate, you could come in. I took my thing slowly and walked there slowly. And naturally, I got to the back of the queue. Then somebody said, I heard two people talking beside me. Have you paid your, they were talking to each other, whether you paid your visa fee. I said, no. On the website, they said you could come with a, with $100. And I had my $100 cash. So one guy said, no. So I walked, I left the queue, went to somebody near the gate. Excuse me, I need information. Do I have to pay? Can I pay here? As you said on your website, they said, no, the rules have changed. You have to go to the bank. I said, which bank? They told me. So I left the queue and went to the UBA, took a taxi, quickly get to UBA to pay for the visa, get my receipt and come back. By the time I came back, there was nobody on the queue. That's a story I've told many times. Some of you are tired of hearing it. It was time for the interview. The lady said, there's no money in your account. I said, yes, because it's my salary account and I've emptied it. She was looking at me like, this is one Nigerian. Listen, I made up my mind I wasn't going to beg anybody. I did not even beg God. It was that morning as I was leaving my hotel room where I stood in Abuja that I realized I had not prayed one second about this whole thing. Finally, I asked her, I said, Lord, sorry. Do you know I have not asked you for this? I said, just for the records, I would like to go for this course. It's a one-month training course in cytopathology. I said, I would like to go. And then I left my hotel room. Why? I said, this is everything. Me? I'm fighting it. Not gonna make me sleep. The Lord is good. Now, why am I telling you all these stories? To let you know that the Lord looked, and the Lord Jesus said, "Let me end slavery." And when slavery, once slavery is ended, He sees the Bible says, "Go and read that Isaiah chapter 53." He will see the result of His struggle, of His labor, of His sacrifice, and He will be satisfied. He will be glad. So when the Bible says that Moses, back to verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He had his focus on the reward. There was something he was looking forward to. The Bible says, by faith, he left Egypt. Not because he wanted to preserve his own life. Notice verse 27 very well. By faith, he left Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. That is what took Moses out of Egypt after he killed somebody was not because he was afraid he would be killed. He left because God said, leave. Are you getting my point? Go and listen to our series, Learning from Moses. I discussed those things in details there. Again, verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover. By faith, in verse 29, they passed through the Red Sea. By faith, verse 30, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. That tells you, faith was obedience. It was when she heard the word that God Helped her to obey it. And that's what we call faith. I now say in verse 32, What more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, 
shut the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness by faith they were made strong. They became mighty in war by faith. They put foreign enemy armies to flight. It was by faith. By faith, women, he said in verse 35, received back their dead by resurrection. But some, instead of receiving the dead back, they were tortured, not accepting release. They rather died so that they might obtain a better resurrection. By faith, others experienced mocking, scourging. Please follow what I'm trying to say. Can you see what they did? With faith, all right? Which verse was I in? 36. By faith, others experienced mockings, scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. All of this by faith. By faith, they were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tried or tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Such men, the Bible says in verse 38... The world was not worthy to have them. They were too good for the world. Wandering in desert and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. All these, the Bible says, gained approval through their faith. Let me just stop here. You read in verse 40 that God provided something better for us. They did not inherit what was promised. They were looking for something that has not yet happened. You know why I read this? For us to know what faith was used for in the Bible. Faith was not used for what many of us use it for now. No. We, by faith, we escape a difficult situation and get to a softer one. And say, my God is good. By faith, we run away from challenges. And say, I began to call it to pass. And it happened the way I said it. Many times our prayers are signs of our carnality. And lack of a sense of purpose for life. I noticed here, the Bible didn't say that by faith, these men built houses so that everybody would know that they are better than other people. Read through this. That's what I'm talking about, the purpose, the, the pursuit, and the use of faith. Let me say it like this. Faith was not given to us to make our lives easy. Faith was not given to us to soften our lives. Faith was given, number one, to obey the call of God to fulfill the purpose of God and to activate whatever promise God has put in his word that's your own. That's what I understand what faith is meant to be for. My wife and I were talking, talking yesterday. When the car, we took a drive, finally we got back home, we sat in the car and we were talking scripture. Go and listen to the series of messages I preached. There were two messages, I think School of Prayer time was on Tuesday, I prayed two messages. Came into a small series of two, titled Prophetic Declarations or Positive Confessions. Go and listen to those messages. Many of the things I said there, maybe I will repeat them again, but please try and get them. I want to explain something. All right? As part of this, my introduction into the subject of the use of faith. I want to distinguish between what I call spiritualism or spiritism, if you might use that expression, and spirituality. Let me explain it again. Because something works 
is not proof that that's what God wants us to do. Because let's, talk, let's teach real faith. 